Tov. Today's stuff is Nun Aleph, 51. Um, and we pick up middle of Nun Amud Bet. So we have a little catching up to do. And uh, the discussion here is in the middle of all these Tukun alums in terms of collecting collecting of debts. Um, and um, the Gemara wants to know that the one Tukun alum is that, um, is that uh, you cannot, uh, um, people, creditors cannot collect property that has liens on it um, that's held by third parties if the debtor, original debtor, still has um, uh, still has av- available assets, b'nei chorin. You can't collect from the shubadim, the mogham shesh b'nei chorin. And the que- presumably that means even if the, uh, the, um, the grade of property that they're entitled to, grade B, is in the hands of the third party and they only have grade C in the hands of the original debtor, they have to collect what the debtor has before they can go to a third party. So the question raised in the Gemara is, well, this clearly you understand why we would have to institute this to protect people who buy land. They don't want, you know, everybody to go straight to the land they bought. They want them to be the sort of what's it called, the um, the option of last uh, of last reco- of last recourse. No, anyway, whatever they resort. They want them to be the option of last resort. They want to be protected. But would it apply even in a case where somebody was given a gift of land that the that the creditor could not go to them if they could still collect from the original debtor? So the Gemara to prove this brings the case of a, a Breita that has a person on his deathbed distributing his property 200, 300, and 400 to different people and if he didn't use the word Acharav then we assume that there's no specific order there and they divide even if they, there's less than 900 they divide it equally into nine portions each one getting a proportional amount um, if he says Acharav though however and then if there's less it's, it's you know whatever less is it's, everybody gets a proportional less if however he said Acharav then you first give the full amount to number one, then anything left to number two, and anything left to number three. Okay, and the relevance of this, and let's read the last line of this bright that to get us into why this is relevant for us, but the basic thing to acknowledge here is that right away we're talking about a gift. He's gifting this property. Okay, so the Gemara says in the middle of Nun Amud Bet, um, well, we might as well take it from the beginning of the bright, about ten lines from the top, Tashma, Shchiv Mirash Omer Tenuma Time Zuz Leploni, Vigimel Meot Leploni, Vaarber Meot Leploni, you don't say that the first guy who was given 200 he has first rights if there's less than the full amount um, you don't he, since he didn't use the word Acharav and he had to say all three people it's all divided equally if there's a creditor and he has to so they've divided the property maybe there was exactly 900 maybe there was 450 whatever it was and then it turns out that actually the estate owed some money so and this is the only place that there's money from obviously those debts have to be paid off before these like gifts can be given I mean and that person anyway you know it's not given he had liens it wouldn't be any different if the guy gave a gift in his life that creditor had liens and so on so you pay off the creditor and with the remaining money you divide what's left between these three people okay Govin Mikulan it's taken equally or proportionally from all of them option you can go to any of them you go to all no 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 no, no, no. equally equal. it doesn't matter who he collects from he collects from one and then they repool and redistribute the property. Okay, yeah, thank you for that clarification. Okay, so that's if they all sort of are given it equally. Now, Aval, Im Amar, Tenuma times Zuz Leploni, the Acharav Leploni, the Acharav Leploni, the Acharav Leploni, the Acharav Leploni, if he gave a sequence, in that case, 
Okay, Omin Kol Akadim B'Shar The first person, if there's a limited estate, he has, he's given the, his full amount, and only then you move on to number two, and only then you move on to number three. Um, so you divided it all up. There was enough for all three of those guys, let's say. Okay, you divided it all up. But then, there's a creditor. So he has, he has liens on the property. He has to be paid off. He's paid off. And now, there's not a sufficient amount to be divided by those three. So in that case, so he collects from the last guy. He goes to guy number three, because guy number three is the, you know, last, whatever, last in, first out, or whatever. You know, he's the guy that's going to lose out. He's the guy who's, uh, who gets last. Um, aim low, if the last guy is not, not enough for to pay off the debt, go with Michelle Fanav, you go to guy number two, aim low, if there's not enough, go with Michelle Fanav, you go to number one. That's the right. Okay, all that makes in a lot of sense. But here's the Gemara's question of why it's relevant. Okay, the Gemara says like this. One minute. The Avagav de Kama Benunis Ubasra Ziboris Miziboris Gabi Mibenunis Logabi. So basically, let's imagine the scenario. The Brighta doesn't distinguish between the grade of property. So presumably we're talking that even if the third guy was given grade C, right, and the first guy was given grade B, okay, which anyway, presumably the first guy would want the better property. He's the one that has first rights and so on. Okay, so you get it. The first guy got grade B and then you gave it to the other guy. The third guy gets grade C. Creditor comes with his Starhove. I'm owed 200 bucks. Okay, we tell him, well, you got to go to guy number three because he was the last guy in the line. Okay, but why doesn't he say, wait a minute. That was a, all these guys got as a, by virtue of a Matana. Matana is, right, the reason guy number three, um, he has to collect from guy number three is, you know, you basically, right, if you have Right, guy number one, guy number two, guy number three. They got they got all their properties, okay. He got grade C, and he got let's say he got grade B, okay. So basically, this guy's debt. This is when it was it was all gifted when the guy was on his uh, deathbed, okay. This guy's debt preexisted. The debt was prior to this time, okay, and he had liens on the grade B property, right? Yes? Right, he had liens on the grade B property. What? Okay. So, therefore, then it was gifted. So, this grade B property was given to guy number one. Well, he should say, and, and but after it was given to guy number one, the estate still had, you know, let's call both of these C. The estate still had two C's left, okay? If he were to come and have collected at this moment, before it was given to these guys number two and three, okay, you with me, everybody, right? What, what would we have said? We would have said, well, you got to go to C, right? Because he still has C left. He says, no, I'm not going to see. I'm entitled to be. I'm collecting from guy number one, right? So therefore, that's, he's entitled. His liens are on this. So why do we force him to go to guy number three? He should say, it's all very nice. You've got this whole order of your gifting, and you want guy number three to lose out. I want the land of B that I'm entitled to, okay? So, uh, so the fact that we don't let him do this, and we basically say, no, once that was given away, you're left to collecting from here, shows that even in a case of a gift we protect the receiver of the gift and therefore once that was given away he's left with those two things okay you got it and therefore as it continues to be given away he has to collect from the very last one that's 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 why it's a proof for our case he uh, became indebted to this other fellow. Right. Why should that other fellow who he became indebted to 
be neglected in that way. Well, that's exactly the point. So that's the halacha, which is, is that if you, once, if you sell your property, and here we're including it, if you give away your property, then the debtor can't go to those people. They're, they're forced to collect from what's left over. I know, I'm just saying why. Yeah, well, we're trying to protect these people. We're trying to protect people from collecting, from buying land that they don't have to risk always losing the land that they bought. And here we're applying it even to a matana. But your point is, but that comes at the expense of the people that are loaning money. Right. I understand. You know, that's, that's the way things are usually in business. Something that protects one party usually who winds up hurting another party. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Yes. So they couldn't first, uh, like, investigate to find out if there's a lien on this property? Yeah, I mean, uh, no, I understand. But the point is that, yeah, but the point is that if I know when I buy property, if I know, if I know that the debtor can come straight to me without first trying to collect from this guy, like it's going to put, it seemed that the concern is going to put a huge damp on the market, you know, but I, it's, yeah, there's a trade-off, yeah. That graphic applies only where they should have said Yeah, exactly. Okay, so now the Gemara says, um, where are we? The Avagav the Kaima Bainu Nisu Basra Zit Woman. The Avagav the Kaima Bainu Nisu Basra. Let me stop. The Avagav the Kaima Bainu Even though there's Bainu Nisu Basra Ziboris Niziboris. Gabi mi benanis lo gabi shmami unab matananavi avdarbanatakanti even when it's a gift you know he uh, loses uh, the, the the credit the the creditor loses out so the mercy is not necessarily hachemayaskinan the balchov that these people actually when it says that the money is distributed to them it wasn't gifted to them the guy on his desk was saying pay these guys off I owe them this money okay so therefore that's why they're protected because they're being paid off of course that's a very and it's not just a gift of course that's not at all the pshat so the Gemara says in one minute if they're being paid off did I skip a line? Uh, uh, wait a minute one minute he says give it to A, B, and C no I mean pay the guy meant pay off my debts so the Gemara says then why do we give it in a particular order if they're being creditors paid off by their debts the order that they get the money should be based on right um, their, who has the earlier debt let's see who has the earlier debt who has the document is earlier dated they don't have a document which explains why this guy has prior rights because they don't have any proof that they're owned the money okay you got it and he, and he he's does. paying right he the guy on his deathbed is admitting he owes the money to these guys they don't have any proof so they don't know which order to collect he's admitting he owes the money this guy has a document that has proof that has earlier liens so he's entitled to fees from them, okay, but because they're being paid off on a debt, they're protected. Okay, so the Gemara says, um, but then it says that in terms of A, B, and C, or whatever, when I have here, one, two, and three, whoever was earlier in the document has more rights. So that, that sounds like, you know, the way you're reading it, that it's a debt, it means the document of debt. Someone says, no, Bishtar Pekarita, no, 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 we mean the deathbed like document that he basically said, give to one, two, and three, so whichever was earlier in that document means in that declaration, you know, gets more rights. Okay, so basically, how did we explain that it looks here like these people who received a gift are protected, you know, this guy's protected because there was money left over, even if it was a lesser grade. And Gemara says, no, it wasn't being given as a gift, it was being paid off as a loan. Okay, so now the Gemara says, yeah. So, uh, so I still am not clear. The fellow who had a lien. Yeah. Is it, why isn't 
that and these fellows had, had uh, are being paid back as creditors. Yeah, he's a creditor too. Yeah, right? but that's what I said. They don't have any proof, so their liens are meaningless. So his lien is more. His lien. They're, they're protected in terms of this takana that this guy is told if there's money left over, he's got to collect. But they lose out to him because they don't have any star. They don't have any he'll evidence of lien. He'll collect, but they just won't be able to get the. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, he's collecting. He's just getting the worst grade. Well, Shimira had said that, like, you know, you have to pay first BC and whatever. I mean, one, two, and three, because their liens are first. Even though there's no document. Nah, because not for them. That's We wouldn't believe him. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Um, okay, the e by sema a few matananami. Let's go back to the pshat. It's a gift. The lokasha my govamina achron a nisadel achron. The Gemara says you misunderstood it. Okay, govamina achron means this guy once the estate is, is take you know has less funds, the last guy loses out. But it doesn't mean he takes guy, guy number three's property. Okay? He goes ahead and he takes the deed property. Maybe the person who received the gift is not protected. And he's going to take the property that he's entitled to, grade number B. But then you know what you're going to do? You're going to redistribute it. So when it says the last guy loses out, it doesn't mean he takes the last guy's property. He takes the property he's entitled to, you redistribute it, so the last guy winds up losing out, but you don't start by taking his property, okay, which is a completely reasonable read. A nifsadel achron, okay, the last guy loses out because he's the last in line, but maybe the creditor is entitled to his grade B property. The ebay seima to shavukuluhu ladadi. And the final answer is, is not an interesting one that, um, that we just happen to be talking that they all have equal grade, equal grade land. We're not talking about a case where there's different grade land. So we leave with that question unresolved. Did, when they protected the uh, people who bought land that the creditors um, have, are forced to go to the original, you know, the principal, the person who, who owes them money, even if that person has lesser grade land, right? did they protect even people not only who bought land, but even people who received land as a gift? And we don't know the answer. But as David's question correctly points out, you know, any takana here, anything to protect one party hurts another property. So that's the tikkunolam choice that you have to make, right? Which is what's more in society's interest in terms of who to be protecting and at whose cost. All right. So now the Gemara continues. So we do not, um, we do not, another people we're protecting is... I have a lien on your land. Um, you sell your land. Um, so here we have these person, you know, so this person, the, loku, the lokea, who bought your land. I now want my debt paid. I'm going to go to that land and seize it. That's now in the hand of the third party. What if that debt that's owed to me is not a known amount when, um, when you actually bought the land? Okay, so David, you bought the land here from Michael. Michael owes me $1,000. Okay, okay, so you buy that land. So you know you're risking Thank you, you were only Thank you. You know, David, that you are, when you buy that land from Michael, that $1,000 of that land is potentially at risk because I might come and seize it in my debt. Right? But let's say the amount Michael owes me is not determined yet. Okay? Then you are... Well, we'll, 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 I'll tell you in a minute. 
I already got you worried. You see that? <laughs> so in that case, in that case, you're like saying, whoa, I, how can I go ahead and engage in this transaction and not even know how much is at risk? Okay, now what's the case that it's not determined yet? There are a couple scenarios. I'll start with the early one, which is the second one of the mission, but it's easier to describe, which is that, um, that my daughters, who I don't have, my daughters <laughs> are entitled after I die to go ahead and be supported by the estate, okay? As long, you know, until they get married or whatever. Now, that could be years and I could have another five daughters, you know, between now and whatever they get, whatever. So you have no idea, and that, they have liens on that estate. If they can go ahead and not just collect, you know, you know, collect, so I'm now the person, I guess, I'm now in Michael's side. I'm now the person that, meaning my daughters are now the creditors. They're the ones money is owed to, right? So they have a right to collect from that estate, but it's no way to determine how many daughters I'm going to have, how many years they're going to be supported by it. If the property you brought for me was at risk to being collected by them, you would have no idea how much, how much would be at risk. Okay, so in that case, they can only collect directly from the estate. They cannot collect from third parties. Okay, that's one example. Another example is that I go ahead and I sell, um, and, and Michael here will make me again do whatever. I don't. Michael goes ahead and he sells land to me. Okay, and I go ahead and I sell it to David. Okay, now David, there's an implicit or explicit clause that if it turns out that unbeknownst to me that land was actually did not legally belong to Michael and was stolen land, and basically it's going to be taken away from you because I never had the real title to it. Okay, there's an implicit clause that you can come and get compensated from me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have essentially a lien on me for the cost of that land, okay, if that land winds up having been stolen. But let's say you have, since you bought that land, you've built a condominium on it. That land is now worth a million dollars, okay, and now it's seized from you, okay, so are you going to, you now can tell me to pay up the million dollars, okay, you have that right to even collect the, your investments in that land from me, okay, but let's say I have no money. Let's say I've sold my land, other lands elsewhere. You want to get paid back. You can't come to me. Where are you going to go? You're going to go to the people who have purchased my land. How much when they purchase my land and they know there's a risk to the land they purchased. The risk of the land they purchased is you have a lien on my estate for potentially being compensated for any land that you bought. Are, you, are, are we all very sufficiently confused now? Okay. <laughs> it's very confusing because anytime you buy land, whenever I buy land from somebody... I get a lien on that person's property in case that land winds up having been stolen and I have a right to be compensated. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. I know. It's cra- I, I can't figure it out. Every 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 sale of land in a normal case entails with it liens that are created on the seller's land in case that sale went bad, okay? So the point is, those liens that you have on my land, if that sale went bad, you can collect that amount for people who, who I sold other land to up to the sale value. But if you want to be compensated for improvements that you made on that land, you can't collect it from third parties. Then, that, then they're accepting unknown risk. Okay, so those are the cases. That second case is a little more complicated, but basically, when the amount 
of the lien is unknown and to be determined later, then you, they cannot collect from third parties. Yes, Charlie. Yeah, I mean, this sounds weird, but we have that even in, in this country today. You never can be absolutely sure that there aren't any liens going to pop up, and that's why you get title insurance. Okay, there you go. All right, so, and then it's just the actuaries that have to figure out all the crazy possibilities. Okay, yeah. so now it says like this. So, my timer, what is, why is it that you cannot collect from third parties? I basically already told you, but the commercial is going to nuance it in two ways in these scenarios. So they don't say because the amount is not fixed, which is what the Gemara is going to wind up saying, which is, I think, the simpler explanation. It's going to say because, the, because it's not written, meaning people don't know about this debt. Okay? Now, we're going to find out. The Gemara is going to say, what do you mean they don't know about this debt? How could they know about this debt less than other things? And in the end, it's what's really going to wind up being is, is that the reason they don't know about it is because the amount isn't fixed. Okay? But it's a slightly different reason for the Takana. Rather than saying it's unfair for you, the purchaser, to incur debt when you don't know the amount, when the amount could be, you know, you know could be uh, very, very high, you don't even know the risk you're assuming, we actually say, because the amount is indeterminate, people are unaware that they're even, that they're even assuming any risk about that. Okay? So it has more to do with their ignorance that the debt exists rather than with the fact that it's just not fair to assume undetermined debt. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this, Mishum Delok Suvin, Levizing Suvin, Amalei Rebbe Abba Lu'ula, Vamazun Yishevi Rabbanos Dekamand Eksivi Damu. What are you talking about? First of all, Rashi says in the case about, about I'll pay you back if the land winds up to be stolen, and I'll pay you back for any of your expenses, Rashi actually says, actually says Rashi, that is written in the star. What do you mean it's not written? <laughs> so Rashi says, well, even though it's written, nobody really knows about it or pays attention to it because it's not determined. Okay? So it's really not about it being written or not. It's really about its indeterminate nature means that people aren't so aware of it. And now the Gemara does the reverse. It says, one minute, the case about the fact that I will, my estate will support my wife and my daughters, so even though, that I, even though that's not written in the Ksuva, Chazal said that I have to do that. That's part of my Ksuva obligations and it has the weight as if it were written. So that also is written. So the Gemara says, Mother Mishra that's as if it was written. And nevertheless, can't collect from third parties. No, no, no. That was the nature of the weight that Chazal gave it. When my wife and daughters come to collect from the actual estate itself, their debt has the weight of, as if it's written in a star. When they come to collect from third parties, it doesn't have that weight. Okay? So basically, we're saying these types of things are like, because they're a little fuzzy, they don't have, they're not seen as, as being well known, and we have to protect the purchasers, even though some of them are written or do have a weight of being written. So, what do you mean it's not written? By the case of the wife and the daughters, it's as if it's written. That was the way it was given. Okay. So it's written vis-a-vis the estate, not vis-a-vis third parties. The basic point is that the logic here, it all goes back to the logic that we don't know the amount. But the point here is because we don't know the amount, it's not it's unfair to subject somebody to that risk. The point is because we don't know the amount,
amount, the person isn't even aware that they're assuming the risk. Okay, the risk, nobody sort of talks about it when it's vague and so on. So the person isn't even aware that there's such a risk is being assumed. So, so, so I don't know. Rabbi Hanina's explanation is much easier. So we're going to focus on Rabbi Hanina. That's what the Gemara focuses on anyway. Rabbi Hanina Omar Lefishen Tzuvim. It's not because people don't know about it. It's because it's not fixed. And since it's not fixed, it's unfair to assume that risk. Okay, Ibayalu. They asked the question. Rabbi Hanina Tzuvim Tzuvim Boy. For it's for somebody to be um, to be uh, to, 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 for third parties to be able to be collected from. Does it have to both be a fixed amount and written in the document? Or what would be if it would be a fixed amount that's not written in the document? Document. Now, Rashi says, what's a fixed amount that's not written in a document? So Rashi says, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a milva al peh. It's a loan without a document. I lend you a thousand dollars. That's a fixed amount. It's not written. But Tozo says, that's clearly wrong. We know that a milva al peh does not collect from, does not have liens. But the question here is, Tozo says, that might have specific issues to do with loans. The question here is, other types of debts that are incurred with a, when there's a fixed amount, okay, you could think about a case, let's say mazik, there's no star written, but it's, you know, but there's a fixed amount. It's not going to give the amount isn't going to go up. Other types of debts that are incurred, right, without a document, not a loan, where I could have prepared a document and there's other reasons. Meaning Mazik okay. is the field. I mean, because if, yeah. if a person, you don't know how long they'll be sick. Right, right, right. Let's say Mazik property. Other types of cases of loans, of debts that are incurred that aren't debts, okay, when the amount is fixed, but no star has been drawn up, like would he knot. say that that would be, what? Yeah, I mean, we'll see some cases in the Gemara. Would he say that that would be a case where I would have liens and could collect from a third party. Is that enough that it's a fixed amount? Okay, Tashma, come in here. Somebody died and he left two daughters. Now in addition to daughters getting supported by the estate until they get married, they also have a prefixed dowry from the estate when they do get married. And their dowry is a 10%, okay, of the estate. I mean, whatever, we'll call it, we won't go into the specifics about that, but let's just call it that. Okay? So, um, of course, the question is, is it 10% of what's left or 10% of the principal that's left? If Sky has 11 daughters, is the 11th one out? Okay, anyway, we're not going to worry about that now. He dies. He leaves over two daughters. Uben and the son. Okay, so the son inherits the estate. The daughters have the right to be supported and the dowry. The Kadma Harishona, the first one, went ahead and got married. Did not let Yisra Nechassim, and she took her tenth dowry, her tenth of the estate for the dowry. And then the second one didn't get her dowry yet, because she's still single. Okay, she's not married. And now the son died. Okay, so the son died. Who inherits the estate now? It's the, the son doesn't have any children the so the sisters right the daughters they inherit the estate so now this one the, sec- the younger one let's say that she's younger who isn't married yet she says great now we split the estate but you took 10% off the top before we split it I want my 10% off the top before we split it okay so essentially like I still have a lien on the estate here's a way of thinking about it I have a right to 10% I have a lien on the estate that was a debt owed me when dad died okay I've got a lien on the estate Okay, we're now splitting the estate. So five, so so the five half of that five percent is now the property you got. I'm going to I'm going to ex- exercise my lien and take you know the other five percent back from you. All right, that's what she's saying. That seems like a reasonable claim. Okay, um, uh, so I'm a Reb Yochanan. The second one loses out. 
Vamele Rebbe Chanina, the Rebbe Chanina got very upset. The same Rebbe Chanina who said that the issue is the Ketsuvim Ketsuvim Ketsuvim. This, by the way, is an example of Ketsuv. It's a fixed amount, 10%, but it's not written in any document. Okay, so that's an example. But it's, not, okay. it's like Kamanda Kasev. Yeah, okay, but the Gemara have, says now, they said it's not Kamanda Kasev. So anyway, alright, so what did Rebbe Chanina say? Gedolim Yizuam. He says, what? The second one loses out? The, the second one is, the, you know, there's even cases which he's entitled even more, like even a bigger case. What's a bigger case? Motzin the parnasa, the ain motzin the mizonot. Okay, this is called parnasa. This idea of the uh, of the of the dowry is called parnasa. So he says, let's say that uh, that the estate that that that, uh, that there was property that was sold in dad's life. Okay, to other parties. Okay, can now the daughters collect with liens that party in, property in the hand of third parties can they collect that for their dowry and for their mizonot so you already know the answer for the mizonot can they collect from third parties for their mizonot what does our Mishnah say the mizonot for the daughters Right, the ongoing support. Can they collect from third parties? The mission says no. Right, that's the way. That's the indeterminate amount. That's the way the third parties are protected. But Rebbe Hanina says that's only for the mizonot when they're coming to because that's not determined amount. When they're coming to collect their ten percent dowry, they can collect from third parties from someplace the par- father. Why? What's crazy? Somebody who buys knows that there are pre-existing liens on the estate. No, but mean, mean, he doesn't mean, know how many daughters mean, the mean, guy will have. What? Right. Yeah, so that's a question. What would it be if the, maybe it's only the 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 the, uh, the daughters, you know, based on the number of daughters when it was purchased? Okay. I, I don't know. I have to think about it, but it could be that that's the case. Anyway, also the you know the the, the time the, the transaction is made, the assets in the estate could be different when he finally dies. Right. And so ten percent of that is different. Uh, oh, that's a good point too. Oh, that's a good point. So when I bought it, I knew you had one daughter, and I knew the ten percent was you had a thousand dollars to your name was a hundred bucks. Right now, the guy dies a million dollars or whatever, so ten percent of that, even if he has no more daughters, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. Of what he has at the moment, right? Yeah, but, it yeah, but he, her debt is 10% of the estate when the guy dies. Right, but if he has a million dollar estate. Yeah, but when I purchased the land from the guy, I only knew I was incurring a 10% of a $10,000 estate. Right, but now I'm realizing I'm confused about if I. If someone passes away, right? They have X amount to their name. Right. The daughter's entitled to 10%. Yes. So at what point are you going to need to go get it from someone? If he's in debt, then he doesn't have an... an, an oh, um... I see the point. Uh, oh, that's a good point. So what? why would you be mozi if... <sighs> I guess the point would be that the son inherits the estate and then by the time it's time for the girls to get to get married the son has gambled away all the money let's say so you could have a case where what they were entitled to wasn't around for them when it was time for them to get married and then they have to go to third parties but it's a good question right I mean you'd have to have that scenario anyway so okay what yeah yeah if he, if he, if he gets that 10% clean on the property uh, he has two dollars yes no, that's not the way it works. Each daughter is entitled to 10%. That's the halacha. Okay? Each one. Yeah, each one. It's a lot, I know. What? 10% for one daughter, yet one daughter. Yeah, but it would be 20% for two daughters. That's the way it works. Or 110% for Okay, so anyway, all right, all right. Okay, so, all right, let's keep on going. So it says... 
Anyway, Rabbi Hanina says the daughter is entitled to collect her Eastern Nechassim from third parties. That's a fixed amount and she does have a lien. So therefore, if she can collect it from a third party, she should certainly be able to collect it from her sister. Okay? So he says... The Kamotzi, uh, okay. The Atamarta, Shnia Vitla? You're telling me that she loses her 10% and she can't co- collect it from her sister? So that's the debate. But what we see is that Rabbi Hanina says that she has a lien and can collect from third parties this Isr Nechassim. So this is a perfect example, an answer to our question. Zahar Parnasa, this dowry, the Miketz Kaitza, it's a fixed amount, Mikhtav Loksiva, and it's not written. So the Kamotzia, and she's now collecting it from the third party. So you see that that's the Rebbe Kanina says it works. So Michael, who's always, uh, you know, channeling the Gemara, the Gemara says, no, Shani Parnasa, even the East Lake Kala, Kamandiksiva dummy, because uh, everybody knows about this 10%. You know, maybe again, maybe the amount, the uh, support from the estate is a vaguer amount so people don't know about it but this is so well known that it's as if it's written of course if you say a fixed amount is so well known it's as if it's written it makes the whole question moot because every case that's fixed is going to be like it's written but let's see as the Gemara continues on the face of it that was a very good proof okay Masi Ravuna Bar Manoa still I mean it just begs the question like you know how do you engage in all these transactions yeah I, I don't know I don't know yeah I know it's crazy Masi Ravuna Bar Manoa May Subinosehem Okay, so you're going to love um, this case, okay, which is the following. Um, a woman has a daughter. She gets married um, to another guy who's now a stepfather to the daughter. This guy, she says, if you want me to marry you, buddy... <coughs> you've got to make a commitment to pay to, to support my, da- my daughter my, your stepdaughter which you don't have any legal obligation to <coughs> you have to make a commitment to support her for the next five years so fine he does that he commits to support her for the next five years presumably he doesn't have to put it in writing it can be part of the time of the marriage and so that's going to be a case of kayat it's a fixed amount five years and it's not written okay then this guy goes ahead and I don't know divorces her okay so she now now goes, and, but her daughter's still entitled, even now that she's divorced, her daughter's still entitled to five years of support. Right? That's independent of her on, being, ongo- right, being ongoing married. So the daughter's still supported five years. She goes and she marries a, another guy, and she says, other guy, you want to marry me? You've got to support my daughter for the next five years. So he agrees. So during now, while this is happening, the daughter is getting supported for five years from one of the guys, and from the other guys, she's getting the cash and she's banking it. Okay? So the daughter's in a very nice position. Okay? Now, what happens? Yeah, you you know, that's all the background. That's not yet in any one of the words. That was the context from which the context from which this was ripped, okay? Now, now, those two guys die. Okay? So this daughter, who now is, by the way, getting doubly supported, she actually has more rights than their natural daughters. Because she has a star and or not a star. She has liens, right, that pre existed and so on. So let's see what happens now that those two guys die. Mesu, those guys died, Binoseim, their own daughters, 
Nizoros Minuchasim Necharin can only be supported from the property that's actually in the estate, not held by third parties. Because that's what we know. Daughters are supported by the property in the estate. He, this daughter, who had a fixed amount, five years, right, and the, from these two guys, there was only their stepdaughter, but she's basically just like a Baal She's like a creditor. And Nizoros Minuchasim Mishubadim. And she can go ahead and collect her, her what's owed to her, even from third parties. Okay, so you got that scenario? Now, the point is, we're assuming that this five-year commitment was verbal and not written. Why? I don't know. I mean, you would think you would need to write it. Your, your wife would certainly want proof. But anyway, it's going to be a good evidence that Kayitz Velokhsivi is entitled to get even from third parties. So the Gemara says, so isn't that another proof like Rabbi Hamina? Ah, they actually did not just do it verbally. One wonders how it would have been binding if it was just verbal. They actually did a Kenyan. They did like a Chalipin. They did like a Suder. And since you do a Chalipin, that creates a sense of a debt that, you know, that, 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 all, that is so strong it even can collect some third parties, it even, you know, even more than normal circumstances. So that's why. So the Gemara says, Ihachi, so if we're talking about, you know, the whole point was to contrast the stepdaughter to the daughters. If you're going to say the stepdaughter is a special case that they did a Kenyan, so the daughters should also be the case that they did a Kenyan. And if that's true, then everybody should be entitled to collect them third parties. That's the strength of a Kenyan. So the mother says, no. No, 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 no. He only did a Kenyan for the stepdaughters, not for his daughters. And that's why she has more strength. And that's why she can collect them third parties. So the mother says, my psika. So why... Why are we making a difference? Meaning, right, the point of the mission of, of the brighter was to tell you that uh, one, that the stepdaughter has more rights than the daughter. So, how, how why should we be reading into it that there was a special case? You did a Kenyan for one and not the other. That doesn't right. The, the shot seems to be fundamentally to tell you that the stepdaughter has more rights than the daughter in this case. So the Gemara says, "My no. No, no. Here's why. Yes, he did a Kenyan in both cases, but his stepdaughter, when he did the Kenyan, the stepdaughter was around. So that was binding, and that gave her liens, and those liens entitled her to even in the hand of a third party. His daughter, that didn't exist when he got married to, this, to, to his wife, even if he committed to his wife to support her through a Kenyan, he didn't really even have to. It was a rabbinic obligation. It wouldn't help. Okay? So basically, it's saying, fundamentally, the only reason by the stepdaughter she can collect from third parties is that there was a Kenyan done, Khalipin done, and so on. And even if he would have done that by his daughters, it wouldn't have given them any extra strength because they weren't around at that time. So the, what? Yeah, this is Kutsu. It was five years, not the daughters. No, but and the amount? Immediately, I understand five years is a determined time, but is the amount? Presumably. Presumably, there's a, oh, standard, aren't, aren't presumably there's a standard amount of support. Okay, so the Gemara says, now the Gemara's going to have a case where his daughter is around at the time he gets married. How is his daughter around at the time he gets married, other than he had sex outside of marriage? So the Gemara says, so the Gemara says, one minute, I can give you a case when his daughters were around at the time of marriage. Who says we're not talking about a case? The that you can even have the daughters when he was obligating himself to his wife. His own daughters. How? What's the case? He divorced his wife and remarried her. So now, at the second remarriage, he's obligated to his daughters and his daughters are already around. So for the special case of Kenyan, then the daughters should also be entitled to collect from third parties. So the Gemara says, Ella, okay, 
So finally, the answer, which to me seemed pretty obvious from the beginning, Bito tonight based in Ka'achla Lomahani Lakinian. His daughter, she is entitled to being supported by the estate because Chazal entitled her. That's a natural obligation of the Ksuva. So the Kenyan there is completely superfluous. So even if you did a Kenyan, it doesn't give her any extra rights. So her fundamental rights are Ksuva rights. Those are limited to the estate property, not to property in the hands of third parties. A Kenyan is not, is, is superfluous. She already has those, that right, and therefore she doesn't get extra rights even with a Kenyan. Bas Ishto, the tonight based in Kachla, his stepdaughter, that had no rights if he didn't obligate himself. He see, they have no rights. In that case, so Mahani wa Kenyan, when he go, went ahead and does a Kenyan, that gives her the rights and even for third parties. But the Gemara is not happy. The Migra Gara? Because I don't get it. Even though the daughter came in with more rights, okay, so just because she started better off, she came in with more rights, why, when he actually does the Kenyan, should that not entitle her to even more? Right? Why shouldn't the Kenyan upgrade her and give her the right to collect from third parties? You still haven't answered it. Ella, here, we'll try this way. Bito, Kivan Dipsnai Basin Ka'achla, Amor Tsrari Atsasa. The last thing the word says is fine. But because his obligation to his daughter is so fundamental, and it starts from an obligation of Basin, even if he did a Kenyan, and even if in principle he gave her rights to collect from third parties, the Basin won't let her collect from third parties. Why not? It's a little ironic. Why not? Because the Basin will say, listen, since your father had such a fundamental obligation to you, okay, we are concerned that he might have already even prepaid his debt to you and put it in some escrow account. And therefore, we're not going to let you collect from third parties. So it's a very common... Even if if there's no escrow account. Even if we don't know about it. I don't know if you know that there isn't, but we don't know about it. So it's very, very complicated. But obviously, the simple sense of this, once again, is that when it's a fixed amount without being written, that you are entitled to collect from third parties. But in order to get out of it, the Gemara made a very convoluted explanation that there was a Kenyan Khalip in here and that's what made it like it was written and it was a special case but normally you could not collect from third parties I have to tell you I didn't understand this Gemara at all because to me the simplest answer is not because I didn't understand what it was saying I saw that <laughs> I understood what it was saying but I didn't understand it because because no because like I don't understand if I'm agreeing to support my stepdaughter, right? I don't understand how I, I can verbally obligate myself. Like, like what creates that obligation? I would think to create the obligation, I need to do a Kenyan. Mm-hmm. So of course we're talking about that I did a Kenyan. How else did I obligate myself to my stepdaughter? It doesn't come through my words. Where in the case by my daughters, that obligation is automatic with Aksuva. So that would have been the easiest explanation of the Gemara. Yes, you know why we're talking about that he did a Kenyan with his stepdaughter and not with his daughters? Because he didn't need to do it with his daughters and he needed to do it with his daughters. So I don't get it. But anyway, the simple sense of this is that um, that Tsuvim, even if it's not written down, has a lien and that's the case of the stepdaughter. But maybe the case of the stepdaughter was a special case that there was a Kenyan involved. Yes? That case where we're concerning my Rory Tatum, couldn't she collect the Shura? Um, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Tosos asked that. Okay. And is Mutina Karnas agreed upon by everybody? Uh, well, yeah, that's also the thing. Like, we were saying that this is a Rebbe Hanina case, and now it seems to be actually that it's a... But Rebbe Hanina actually was the one who challenged that Yochanan by Mutina Karnas, so it was consistent. Okay, Tarshma. So we're still going to try to prove this. Ksuvim afafishen ksuvim. I'm a Rebbe Nosan. Amosai. Bizman shekadam mechosh hashen ilishvachosh rishon. So, when is it that David there... 
that uh, now improves the property he brought from me that is going to wind up having been stolen and he made a million dollars of capital improvements on it and now he wants to collect and he wants to collect from Michael who bought, you know, who bought property from me. Michael has the property he wants to collect and we tell you, David, you cannot collect from the improvements. You can only collect from the purchase amount. So this price that qualifies and says, one minute, Amatai, when is that true? Um... Um, when Michael here bought the property from me before you made your improvements because then he didn't know how much those improvements were going to be right? yeah right if you made your capital improvements and then you bought the property and you knew that he had a right to collect any compensation from me if that property was stolen you knew what you were getting yourself into right? if, you're, if your improvements had already been made in that case you can can collect from Michael. Okay? That's a pretty makes a lot of sense, right? Because then the amount is determined. So, so Tosal says that what this Gemara is doing is this Gemara is basically coming to support Rebbe Hanina and to say it's not about the amount not being written. Here's a perfect case where it wasn't written, but once the amount was known, you're entitled to collect. Right? Is that clear? So you see the issue is not that it wasn't written. The issue is is that it wasn't fixed. And once, da- once Michael knew the risk he was assuming, David is entitled to collect. Um, you see that the problem is, is because, you know, um, um, because the, uh, the improvements didn't happen before the debt. Meaning you see that the issue, the way Tosis reads this, is, you, I mean, before the purchase. You see that the issue is the indeterminate amount. You see that Rebbe Hanina is right. So the Gemara says, Tanahi, find this debate of is it because they're written or is it because it's a fixed amount, is a bait of Tanayim. You can't collect these amounts, from uh, third parties, from leaned property. Because of Tikkun Olam, what's a Tikkun Olam? Because the amount is not written. So here, Bright explicitly identifies the problem that the amount is not written and therefore the people who purchased the property don't don't know about it. And Amar Reb Yossi, so Reb Yossi pushes back and he says, What type of tikkun olam is it? Meaning not like, I don't understand why you're coming to protect the purchasers, but like, it's not about that. It's not about the fact that it's not written. You don't need to do a tikkun olam if it's not written. Presumably, like we said before, if it's a fixed amount, even if it's not written, you need to be aware of these things. Okay? So it has nothing to do with it not being written. The low the issue is that it's an indeterminate amount and they're assuming an unknown risk. Okay, so by the end, the Gemara basically seems to say that it is about being fixed. If it's fixed and not written, then you do have liens. It's really like either or. One has to do completely with the fact that it's not written, okay, and that's what it's about, and the other has to do completely with the fact that it's not fixed. But if it's known and fixed, then you do have liens, and that would be the case that David made the capital improvement, and afterwards Michael bought the property. In that case, when it was fixed, David is entitled to have liens. other property viewers. Right, other property. So exactly. I have to know that uh, David bought another one of your properties. Yeah, you can do a title search and find out which of my properties I sold, no, and then find out what improvements have right, been made. I mean, right. I mean, it's not so simple. I can I can know that someone bought it. I wouldn't. Have, I don't necessarily know that. Like, yeah, you have to basically. I know. You know what I mean? Yeah, you have to. Yeah, you have to go ahead and research. Right. That's true. Okay. <sighs> Moving on. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I got to tell you, I like the fourth parrot Tikkunolams more than this parrot Tikkunolams. Yes. <laughs> Between um, uh, improvements that are in, in, integral to the 
property oh. improvements that are like if you build a condo, it's not really improving the property. But, but, it's but really could right. they then share? But in other words, even if he loses yeah. the property, yeah, I don't know. He's still on the condominium. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. It's a good question. It's a good question. Okay. Well, when we get to Baba Metzia or the other sugyas that deal with that, I'll get my head in there. Okay, Ramotzi Metzia. Now, this is easier. Okay, and a little bit more intuitive also. I go and I return a lost object to you, and and you say, uh, here's your wallet, and, my, and you say, but there's only twenty bucks in here. And I said, yeah, I know, that's what I found. I said, no, there was two hundred bucks. Okay, so why isn't that like a like a motive mm-hmm. uh, Okay, I admit that there was that twenty bucks of this is yours. You saying that there was two hundred, and I could have to take a shvua, okay, or something. So the answer is like, well, one minute, we got to protect this. Nobody's going to return a lost object if they're going to just get in trouble because somebody's going to claim that it was more. Okay, so um, I remember once when I growing up, I was reading. Remember in the, I mean, they still have that paper. I just I haven't read it for decades. The Jewish uh, press, where they have all these like meiselach and stories or whatever. Anyways, you know, so there was one which was about something like this. That a guy came to return the thing, and the guy said there was uh, 200 rubles in here, and he said no, it was empty. What anyway? So they asked the rabbi. So the rabbi said, so one minute, let me get this straight. You say there was 200 rubles, and he returned something that didn't have 200 rubles. This is right. So it says, oh, must be it was different. It wasn't the same object. So it must be it wasn't your wallet. So anyway, so that's one way of solving it. <laughs> so anyway, all right, but um, anyway, but that's the principle. So the motzi mitzia, the guy who finds lost object, doesn't have to take a shvua mitneti kunolam. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. Now Rabbi Yitzchak is going to make a ruling that seems to completely ignore this, or I shouldn't say seems to does completely ignore this. I'm Rabbi Yitzchak. Shneikisim kishurim matzatali. I say to you, you found two wallets tied up in a bundle. Um, the hello, man. You're going to me and saying what I found? Yeah, like I see you. I, I see you picked it up on the street or something like that. Hey, you just found, or I heard, maybe I heard. I heard you found my wallets. They were two of them that were combi- that were tied up. So hello, man. You say, no, 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 there was only one of them. You have to make a shru. It's motivated. I claimed two and you admitted one. Hey, I heard that you found two of my oxes bound together. So hello, man. There was only one. You don't have to make a shvur. Now, what's the difference? My time, because oxen, even if they're bound together, will separate. So, therefore, when I say you have two of my oxen, it's a tinus shema, because I really don't know you have two of my oxen. Even if I know you found the oxen, you know something or whatever, right? I, I somehow I can't be sure that you found them together. Okay. Whereas in the other case, it's seen as a tinus bari that I, if I know that you found my one of them, my wallets, I know you found them both. All right. That's presumably the logic mm-hmm. um, but wallets don't naturally just separate from one another if you found one you found the other now some have a tiny namihachi it's bright some have a continuation of the statement so this is a variation of it you found two oxen and he says yes I did find two and I've already given you back one and here's the other one and I say no you didn't give me back any yet you have to take a shvua okay so basically uh, what we have here is is a complete ignoring other than the case of the oxen which is a special case a complete ignoring of the principle that a moti metziah doesn't have to make a shvua because here you are you're a good guy you found an object you're returning it or whatever and uh, you have to make a shvua that it wasn't what I'm claiming it was so the Gemara says did he not read our Mishnah so the Gemara says no Who's the Amar Krebi Eliezer ben Yaakov? He's a Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov. There actually is an opinion that a Motzi Messiah does have to take a Shvua. 
and he's following so that. It's yeah, that's the opinion of Rebbe Lazar ben Yaakov. Exactly, it's machlokas tanaim. It's time we turn to Brisa. Sometimes a person will have to take a shrua on their own claim, meaning meaning they weren't even being challenged by the other side. They were just being a good guy and coming forward, and they're going to have to take a shrua, which is exactly the Motsi Mitzia case. You were a good guy, you came forward, and now we're making you take a shrua. Okay, so what's the case? Kaitzad. I go to a guy and I say, your father borrowed $100 from me. And he said, huh? What? Like, I didn't know about that. Okay. I came forth. But then, and then I say, but I have to tell you, I was next to him. Not he borrowed $100. I missed that. He, he gave me $100 to watch of his. Okay. And, uh, but I spent half of it. So basically, uh, here, you know, uh, you know, I owe you $50. Okay. Okay. So now you have to take a shrua. Because basically, what you're saying is, it's like you're admitting that there was a $100 debt, you're left with $50 to the debt, so you're like a moda bimiktas. But you did it all to yourself, right? You, you got it? You basically said, like, you know, I owed your father $100, and I paid back 50 and I owe you the remaining 50 So he says, okay, make a sure that you didn't really pay, that you, that, that, that you paid back 50 Maybe you didn't pay back anything. But I'm the one who came and I admitted it to you. Okay? No. Doesn't matter. Motive mixes. It seems completely crazy. Now, the other question that people would ask is, and the Gemara is going to get to it, but you know, even if you never learned the sugi of Migo, something in you should be rebelling and saying, I don't get it. I could have just kept quiet and said nothing, and I wouldn't pay you anything. So don't I have that, you know, assumption that that entitles me to be believed when I'm coming forth and saying, I owe you, I owe you well, no, 50? So, so that's a principle of like, all right, well, good, we'll get to that. But that's basically the principle of like Migo or Migo di Baishatik which is even a stronger Migo I could have just kept quiet so we'll see about this okay so uh, so the Gemara says like this and this is somebody that um, you know that is going that is making Meshua for uh, on himself I think by the way I mis-explained the Hechal Tifrat where yeah. Tassel Ezra says I returned half of it I borrowed a hundred and I returned half of it okay so Chachamim Ma'amim the Chachamim say ain't well it's Meshua Vavedo Pate no you're giving back stuff that he didn't even know about so you don't have to take a Shavu on the other half okay so now the Gemara says like this so there you see Rebbe Lezben Yaakov says that uh, you know that is not concerned with your good, in- good intentions and you still have to do half but the Gemara's got another problem Rebbe Lezben Yaakov now this question is not the way Tosa explains the other question Does it, didn't he read our Mishnah we already said he doesn't agree with our Mishnah but this question is the following forget our Mishnah forget Tikkun Olam okay he should have a Migo Migo I could have said nothing right so forget Tikkun Olam okay which well, you could ask why do you need a Tikkun Olam every Meshiva Veda has a Migo I didn't have to tell you I found the object okay but that's Enochinami but basically the point is put aside Tikkun Olam is the way Tosus reads this why in Rebeliezer Ben Yaakov fine let's say not everybody agrees to the Tikkun Olam but what happened to the idea of a Migo he could have just been quiet and not done anything why is he why does he still have to take a Shvua so the Gemara says um, Amarav Betono Katan Okay, so he didn't really just admit it on his own. Uh, the, 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 the guy who he's giving back the money to, the, the, the person, you know, who's talking about his father's, who he owes money to his father, he's talking to a kid. The kid is saying, hey, you owed me money. So, so the Gemara says, well, if he's, if he's a minor. If he's a minor, halachically it's not a taina, but you don't have the claim like I could have been quiet. 
because this 11 year old was bringing me and yelling and screaming that I owed his father money so it's not just oh I could have said nothing legally it's not a taina so that's what it means it's tana satsmo there wasn't a legal claim against me but on the other hand I can't just say hey I could have said nothing I was being pressured the kid was yelling at me so that's how the Gemara is so trying to answer it well at least psychologically <laughs> I, psychologically I can't say I would have been quiet if this guy is yelling and screaming that I'm stealing money from him I had to say something yes is there a distinction we were talking about cases of the minds maybe, we, maybe there's a con- some idea of protecting an uh, yes but that could be but let's not even go there that's a whole other level of complexity so the Gemara says one minute there's no halachic meaning to a challenge of a katan maybe even it, maybe even it won't affect the migo a katan is ignored that you don't make a shrua so that shouldn't affect anything so the Gemara says although I tried to I thought the explanation I gave was pretty good for that anyway the Gemara says my katan fine godel you gotta love the Gemara <laughs> well, yeah. my katan godel okay so so it's like a Gemara that says, you know, some Gemara says, I feel Kolshu, and then the Gemara says, Kama Kolshu. Okay. <laughs> anyway, my cotton Godel. Okay, fine. We don't literally mean a cotton. It is an adult. So, my Kakarle cotton. Why are you calling him cotton? Because he's ignorant of his father's dealings, so he's like a minor. So therefore, it's a case where his taina is a taina based in. It has to be responded to. I can't say I could have kept quiet. I don't have a migo. But on the other hand, since he's really ignorant, I could have, de- you know, I could have denied everything. So maybe that's why the Chachamim call it Meshiva Veda, because I could have denied everything. And Rebbe Ben Yaakov says, no, in that case, you're a motive mixus and you have to pay. Okay? So it's a type of a case where, on the one hand, you can't just say it would have been easy to keep quiet quiet, there was a taina, but the guy on the other hand, the guy was um, didn't know, and therefore Chachamim call you a Meishu Veda, and Rabbi Gliazah ben Yaakov says nope, in that case, you have, it's your motive to mix us. So the Gemara says let's just read one more line Ihochi, um, um, the Gemara says Tanis Atzmo, Tanis Acherimu it's not there for what's the phrase when Rabbi Gliazah ben Yaakov says you're going to pay on your own, on your claim against yourself this isn't your claim against yourself this is the other side making a claim against you. So the Gemara says, okay, no, what we mean is Tanas No, no, it means fine. The other side is making the claim, but you're admitting. So that's why he calls it your, it's your own claim. The Gemara says, what the heck are you talking about? So, <laughs> and that's every case in court. Every motive evicts us. This guy is making a claim against me, and I'm admitting half. Okay? So the Gemara still doesn't get, right, why is it that what is the case that Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov says you're admitting half and you have to go ahead and make a shavua even though right you could eat either the other side is making a real claim against you and then we don't know why you're calling it Tanas Atzma we don't know why the Chachamim say you're putter or the other side like it sounds like is making no claim against you no real claim against you and then we don't understand why Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov says you're chayiv because you could have just totally remained silent so we're going to tr- return tomorrow to figure out why Rebbe Le- what Rebbe Lezer ben Yaakov the Chachamim are debating about this case of admitting half to somebody about a debt to a father, what that debate would be about, why one side says you'd be chayv and the other side says you'd be exempt.